That's not mummy noises. Do you it? know what the Sphinx said when it got scared? What? I want my mummy. Good night, everybody. This podcast is over. <laughs> All right. But so, you know what I want? I want a good mummy movie. And I didn't get it this weekend, Jack. No, Not no. Not at all. No, we didn't. However, uh, those listening on the Wages of Cinema, and by the way, I'm Jack. And I'm Andrew. Um, we, yes, if you go back and listen to episode 88 uh, in our podcast, we talked about uh, the recent release, Mummy, uh, that is meant to kick off the, quote, dark universe. Universe? Didn't go so well. Yeah, yeah, not quite so well. I mean, internationally, the box office wasn't terrible, but uh, stateside, uh, I mean, people were kind of like... It's funny, actually, this movie made less than each of the Brendan Fraser mummy movies, even the last one. Wow. They all made over $40 million. This made just 32 a movie making $40 million? How are they going to make their money? <laughs> <laughs> Opening weekend, I mean. Oh, you know, the, the, the big uh, uh, genital measuring contrast that is the opening weekend. But we're not here to talk about that. We want to try to enlighten you a little bit into uh, the history of uh, this series of The Mummy um, with two titles that actually came from Universal and one that did not now also we should also mention that technically speaking if if you want to get really film schooly film buffy we're, we're not going to talk about every single bu- mu- bleh, mummy movie that is tempting but, well, but there it, are just a lot of them someday maybe we could universal and hammer milked the mummy for all it was worth See, so did Hammer make other mummy movies too? Yes, many mummy movies. Many mummy movies. That's a good tongue twister. Um, But uh, yeah, Universal did as well. Uh, They just. uh, And then when the mummy was rebooted the first time, there were two sequels and a spin off. Um, Oh, you're talking about the one from 99? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so. So that's a lot of mummy movies. Well, let's go back to the very beginning because. What's interesting, I think, to note about the first uh, movie, The Mummy, uh, starring Boris Karloff and directed by Carl Freund, was that this technically got started in some part as a Dracula ripoff. It feels like a Dracula and ripoff it does. to a certain extent. Well, well, in, in, in even the... right down to using the Swan Lake music in the opening credits. <laughs> yeah, that that that's almost like. I don't know if uh, you had um, like you, you had a, a, a Robin movie, a, a solo Robin movie with the Batman theme, the, the Michael Keaton Batman theme over it. It's but like, you know what I think is interesting about the Mummy in relation to other Universal monsters? Okay, Dracula has no origin. We come upon Dracula as he is. He's several centuries years. He's several centuries old, and we just go along with him. Yeah. We understand that he's a vampire. The Wolfman is just a guy who catches this curse that's been going on for probably millennia. Well, that is kind of an origin for that character. Yes. Also, the, the, but pr- but it's never about the character. It's never about the man who gets the Wolfman curse. It's always about him becoming uh, what is, in essence, a faceless monster. 
Or, or the Frankenstein monster. But the Frankenstein monster is all about origin. It's about creating this monster. Okay. The Mummy is a film which gives the Mummy a an identity. The man who becomes the Mummy is important. And it's not about the creation of the Mummy. No. It's about what he does. The Mummy play is center stage throughout the Mummy. And what's interesting, too, is that... So, in the opening scene, you get Boris Karloff in the sarcophagus, and uh, it's because some words have been said that he opens his eyes. And you have, like, the one... I love that one guy in the room, by the way, who just kind of turns and looks at, lo- looks at him. But he has, like, a delayed reaction for, like, two or three seconds. He doesn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, he just goes, Ah! Yeah. <laughs> That seems to be a very natural reaction because, yeah, I kind of like he, that. Reaction he says too. the spell that brings the mummy back to life. Yeah, the mummy. Klaatu, wa- the, the mummy moves very slowly, and when the mummy picks up the thing that is right next to that man, mm-hmm. he looks at his hand, looks up at the mummy, and it takes a moment for the horror to sink in, because the mummy doesn't look scary on the face of it. No, I don't think he's that scary. No, but when you realize this is a man who's been dead for thousands of years and he is alive now, that makes you scream. No, it does. I mean, well, for that character. I actually think one of the most impressive moments in the movie is just seeing the close-up of Boris Karloff's face and his eyes slowly opening. Yeah. I think that makeup was uh, quite good. It is. Um, Now, It's surprising how much Boris Karloff how many how many of his roles are made through the use of makeup yeah now for the rest of the film i have to say i i wanted to like i want i did want to really like this movie because i, I love uh the like todd browning and carl freund collaborate on dracula and you know you also had i really like uh, the original frankenstein carl emily um yeah I mean, carl emily was behind a lot of these movies right. I, I just didn't quite like this as much as I wanted to. I enjoyed it up to a point. I think what it brings down to for me a little bit, and I'll go and I'll get into part things I liked about it is that it moved it moves a little slow for me, uh, and it should be fine in creating that atmosphere, you know, not, to not rush things and it could take its time. But it's more so just that it's not getting me interested past the filmmaking aspect because Carl Freund is clearly a really good director this was his first movie you might also know him uh we actually talked about another film he directed a while back called mad love oh yeah i really like uh, that with movie. Pierre laurie um and i think also except for karloff and maybe uh um i think this act i think that it was the, this actress named last name johnson she plays the female lead yeah i forgot her first name uh and maybe just one or two scenes the performances aren't very good no uh the the, i mean they're adequate the male lead he's played by uh hold on just a moment he's pretty (laughs) bland (laughs) bland mcbland pants is the actor um no 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 I'm, i'm opening up myself um the actor i think was david manners yeah. He played Frank Wemple. The actress is named Zita Johan. I'm sorry. I said Johnson. Oh, no, no. Noble Johnson was... David Manners, right. Yeah. He doesn't make much of an impression in this film. Yeah. But it does feature a role 
by uh, Edward Van S uh, Edward Sloan. I think that's his Edward name. Sloan was in this. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on. No, wait, no, 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 no. Edward Sloan. I would have no, recognized Edward, Edward Sloan. Hold on, Edward Van. S Edward Van Sloan. Edward Van Sloan. <laughs> I knew I was close. <laughs> Who's Edward Sloan, by the way? Edward Sloan, I think, was in. Uh, I think I remember him from the Asphalt Jungle. I want to just. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting. I think that. But Edward Van Sloan, he was in. Three Universal films. Oh, he's also in uh, Frankenstein. He was in Frankenstein, and he was in Dracula. In Dracula, he was Van Helsing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But, you you mentioned this guy to me that he he appeared in all these movies. Right, but he essentially plays the same character. Yeah, he kind of plays film. the the Helsing character in this movie. Yeah, he's the guy who knows what's going on. He's the guy who knows. All right, this is how you defeat the mummy. He was, this is how you he, defeat Dracula. He, he was Doctor Waldman Frankenstein. Right. And in Frankenstein, he's actually just kind of Victor Frankenstein's friend. Yeah. He's not like a super monster hunter or anything. But he clearly fills that same role. And he's acting the same way every time. So he might as well be the same guy. Oh, by the way, what's kind of cool, he came back later, too, to play Van Helsing. Uh, There's a movie Dracula's Daughter. Oh, yeah. In the 30s. He popped up in that. I hear that's a decent film, but I haven't seen it. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I... I and I, I appreciate also that there are some deeper themes that maybe are trying to be wrestled with here as far as existing or not existing and the agency that a woman has over her own body mm -hmm. because I mean basically you know you have this thing where uh, Karloff uh, for a large part of the movie he you know he doesn't look like how you see him in the first scene no. he's he's in I guess you almost call it a disguise. He looks like a semi-regular person. But yeah. he looks like if you were to grab his arm, his arm would turn to dust. Yeah, he has just enough makeup that you can notice something is off about him. And the way that Karloff moves in the movie... I mean, he is the reason to see the movie. Yeah. I think, if nothing else. And, you know, Karloff was a big guy. They make use of the fact that he is so tall, especially in comparison to everybody else. Yeah. Um, but in terms of themes... I find the, the int we could talk a little bit more about theme when we get to the next film, okay. 1959's The Yeah, Mummy. well, there's more to talk about there. So, let's talk about 1959. Yeah, because for me, that, I think, is actually, this is going to be a weird distinction. It's not the most entertaining of the Mummy movies, but I think it's the best. It's pretty good. It's really good. I, I was surprised how much I like this movie. It's the mummy in color. It's got Christopher Lee as the mummy. It's got Peter Cushing right across from him. Yes. And this is a slightly different plot because it's actually based on a later mummy movie from Universal. Yeah, well, what happened Hammer was... more or less leased these properties from Universal. Universal distributed them in America, and they allowed Hammer to make movies based off of these characters without any legal trouble yeah this movie also was directed by terrence fisher who who, who directed christopher lee and dracula yeah which is that that might be one my if not the best one of the two or three best dracula movies ever made it's pretty good it's I, really good the I hammer the hammer library can be a mixed bag sure sure i what, it, <laughs> what i appreciate about this movie especially with the dracula films but uh, it's yeah. I mean, there are some good ones. There are some not good ones. The the thing about this mummy movie that impressed me. Now there is a. There, I will say that there is a a kind of section near the middle of the movie when they're explaining the whole. You know, here's how the mummy was, kind of. How, here's the backstory. 
that drags a little bit. Well, I but, think... but but I think that I appreciate though that this director Terrence Fisher, he tried to have a little bit of patience, and he he was not rushing things, but in an interesting way. Hmm. It's they they stop in the middle of the film to explain the origins of the mummy. It's he's a he's a priest named Karis in this, played by Christopher Lee, and he tries to bring. Basically, the story of every mummy movie is the same. Yeah, the, the, it's, you have there to... is there is a man who is in love with an Egyptian princess. One way or another, she dies, and he tries to bring her back. But by doing so, he commits blasphemy and he is mummified alive. Yeah, there's some revenge. Magic brings him back to life several thousand years later. And it's about him trying to bring that original woman back to life again. Yeah. And in a way, that's really kind of tragic. Yeah. it's That's w another thing that I think really sets the mummy apart. People do, people generally don't care about the mummy. He doesn't have the... the, the he doesn't seem to have... He's not as prominent as Frankenstein or Dracula, and everybody I, and the Wolfman. I mean, the Wolfman is can be any person, hmm. but everybody knows what a Wolfman is. Everyone knows what the rules are. The yeah. Mummy is just kind of people don't give him enough credit, but I think that's where the character comes in to view. Well, that's why I like this a little bit more than the thirty-two Mummy with, and obviously, yeah. Karloff was amazing in that movie, but I feel like even as short as that movie was, it just didn't give me enough. There are very few high points. There are very few in that high film. points. I did almost kind of appreciate near the end how uh, when uh, Zeta Johan, the the girl, all of a sudden Imhotep reveals the plan because he's Boris Karloff in the original film. His name is Imhotep, by yeah, the way. Yeah, 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 Imhotep, and he he's trying to seduce this woman to come to him and tell her you're this person you're this but then he reveals his plan you're now going to become her and she's like no no this I'm plan this will involve killing you yeah but then <laughs> it finally hits her and she really flips out yeah and i like that this mummy i feel like what was i'm not going to say that they're scary parts but i think if i was like a little kid watching this movie there's a moment where the like there's this one character who keeps freaking out that the mummy is going to come for him or the character. Mm. And he's locked in this um, room. He's in an insane asylum. Yeah, he's in an insane asylum. And then the mummy comes to get him. Yeah. And nobody is going to come to get him out. If I was a kid watching that scene, I actually would have found that scary. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty... I mean, for a child, that's a pretty... Uh, that's, a, that's a... What is the word for it? It's pretty... It's a pretty powerful scene for a child because, you know, when you're scared in the dark in bed, you know... Here's this monster coming for you and there's nothing to It'll stop climb it. through a ladder, it'll break through the, the windows. Yeah. It, 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 you can't stop it. Egypt, 4,000 years ago. A land of strange rituals and savage cruelty. Many of their secrets are still hidden from the eyes of 20th century man. Secrets that protect their dead. Supernatural powers that once released can live again in our modern world. The Mummy, the Living Dead, bringing terror and death across 4,000 years. It's and kind I, of like an early Terminator. And what's interesting, too, is that, oddly enough, because it's not... 
something that's in shadows and darkness. It's just in the light. Yeah. That almost makes it more terrifying in a way. Um, I also just liked how Christopher Lee moved as the mummy. I thought he just did a wonderful job. Well, for all we know, that was because of his costume, not necessarily because of any choice he made. Oh, yeah. I read about that. Because he, this is not about... I think I don't think you get cast as the mummy for your acting prowess. Now, Christopher Lee was a great actor. There is no argument about that. But... I don't think of people like, yes, we've looked at your audition and we've looked at uh, all of your experience and things, and uh, we think you should be play the part of the mummy. Yeah. And we'll never see your face. You never say a line. He doesn't even say a line in flashback. No, he. Yeah, I thought. And he that's did. the and that's the and that's the essence of you know how Christopher Lee got his start. He was a tall guy who had acting ability. I thought. And I, he started out as monsters. He started I, out as Frankenstein and as Dracula and the mummy. Yeah. And two of those parts have no speaking roles. <laughs> What's another interesting thing about this movie, again, this Dracula is, barely speaks in his film. Yeah, this is Hammer Films, not Universal, though. This was released by Warner Brothers. But huh. uh, I think that they they got enough of it right where it 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 just um what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a horror movie with elegance to it. Yes. Yeah, if that's a way it, to say it's very it's very easy on the eyes. It's the color really pops and the ending was uh really uh exciting. Yeah. The mummy is kind of dreamlike. Yeah, that's a good word to put for it. This I, one... it, it. It has images that are think about the mummy sinking into the swamp. Yeah. Think about the the mummy behind that guy as he reads the inscription on the scroll. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can uh, think about, you know, the mummy gets up, he disappears, he comes back as an old man who you know is the mummy, but no one else acts, reacts that way. Yeah. It seems to have a very subtle dream logic to it, and but I'll, not like paprika dream logic. Yeah, there's also a good score by Franz Riesenstein. Right. Um, and you know what's interesting to me, too? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about Peter Cushing. Yeah, well, because he's in this movie, unlike, you know, in Dracula... I, I forget, was he Van Helsing in that? He was Van Helsing in that. Yeah, he was also Sherlock Holmes in uh, the Hammer. He was Dr. Frankenstein in the Frankenstein I Hammer still need movie. to see that. I still need to see them, too. Um, in the, in those, he was, like, super evil. <laughs> did Now, did Christopher really play the Frankenstein monster, too? Yes. See, that's At least once. Go back in time and listen to our Christopher Lee episode. Uh, you, you'll hear a lot of facts about him. But yeah, Peter Cushing in this movie, what's interesting is that he's uh, kind of physically frail, and yet he has to, at times, fight the mummy. Yeah, and there's a weird thing I've noticed, is that Peter Cushing has this weird physicality. Yeah. When, when, he's, in, when, he's, in, when he's in these roles. And it's, when you watch... The the what is the first Dracula film? The Hammer one called Heart, well the Horror of Dracula. Well, it has different titles. I, we'll just call it Dracula. Yeah. When you watch the Hammer Dracula, like there's this one scene where like Peter Cushing runs into the place where where Dracula's coffin is, yeah. and then Dracula runs in behind him. He's like, oh wow, and they run out the door, <laughs> and he just like there's a weird focus on. Peter Cushing running or jumping on tables and just doing all this physical stuff. And in this one, he has like one scene of that. 
even though his character is technically crippled with a leg injury, yeah, he's shooting at the mummy with his shotgun. The, it doesn't stop the mummy, and the mummy's coming right at him, and he has to do this thing where he just like hops up on the desk and rolls over yeah. as the mummy brings his fist right down into the the desk. See, if you were watching this in a movie today, that probably would have had like ten cuts. It would have been much more elegantly choreographed, and it would have been much more actiony. It would have been much but, more actiony. This had a different kind of intensity to it because. There aren't as many cuts. Uh, Terrence Fisher is a filmmaker. This is getting more film school. He likes to let shots run a little bit longer. If he cuts to a close-up, it's meant to have like maximum impact. And again, there, there and then it's not to say there aren't some typical things about this movie. I mean, you have the characters where Pierre Cushing is trying to tell people, "No, there is a mummy," and the character's like, "Please, you think that there's this creature from thousands of years ago that's here today?" Blah blah. Yeah. You even also have. Some of the the townspeople, who uh, they're very uh, that, British caricature. That's a tradition in Hammer it films. Is. That's fine. <laughs> you have drunk tavern goers, <laughs> tangentially related to the plot, and yes. also cannon fodder. Yes, definitely cannon fodder. Um, <laughs> the, another Hammer tradition that I love yeah. is indeterminate. European locales. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what European countries does this take place in? It's in Switzerland, England. Yeah. <laughs> we have no idea where it takes place. But still, you go with yeah. it. I also like uh, that the, the... Oh, what's the character's name? The one who has the little hat and is kind of like the mummy's keeper. That Egyptian guy. Yeah, that, that Egyptian guy. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't remember his name. I either. know we we apologize if the family of that Egyptian guy is listening. Um, well, to be for all we know, late '50s British cinema, he might not have been Egyptian at all. <laughs> that could be. They it just like saying. They, it seemed like they cast someone who looked. He certainly not... looked. He certainly looked Egyptian because was... he had a mustache. <laughs> but again, I don't know. I don't know the actor's name. He could have been one of those British actors that was Indian or something, and they tried to make him Egyptian, which is better than, I don't know, if they tried to pull, like, a, I don't know, like, as much as I love the movie, Alec Guinness in Lawrence of Arabia, they, they kind of did... Uh, I, gotta, I gotta say something about that, though. I'm okay. gonna say something specifically about Alec Guinness in Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Alec Guinness is a white British man yes. in that film yeah. playing an Arab prince yes the only reason that is okay is because it's al guinness is because if you look at pictures of prince faisal from world war one he looks exactly like alec guinness and uh, okay look in a history book <laughs> you're like is that prince faisal or is that alec guinness playing prince faisal uh, and it's kind of makes it all right, I'm not going to say that All makes right. it okay. <laughs> but they look an awful lot alike. It makes you think. That's probably how <laughs> David Lean pitched it to him. All right, let's move on to the 1999 moment. Wait a minute. There's one thing I want to say about 1959. Please. First. All right. Another thing that is important for this is that we really... It, again, goes back to the character of the mummy. Because I really do think that the mummy has this serious potential for being a great character. I, he's condemned to death by the Egyptians, and he's cursed. And they also later look on, they bring him back to 
basically just execute their agenda. They want the people who defiled these tombs dead. That's the whole reason he's being brought back, so he can just strangle people and kill them. And he's this guy who they've condemned, and then he becomes their tool. And that's really a sad position to be in. And not only that, but he's also this character who has like this love of his life that he wants to have yeah. and you know and he wants to possess her and the people which, which doesn't make him necessarily i feel like in the 59 mummy he feels a little more sympathetic than the 32 one yeah because he is basically become this puppet yeah but eventually he does find a woman who is essentially his love in reincarnated or she looks a lot like him yeah and and he recognizes her and he that's when he starts feeling he starts asserting his independence. Yes. He becomes hesitant, but he's still under their control. And think about it, he's under the control of the people who split him, who foiled his plan to be with his love. Yes. And eventually he comes, he learns to break that control, but at the cost basically of his own life. Mm. And you know, that's, if people don't, I, I don't think people think look as closely at the mummy that way. I think that, I, I do wish that maybe... There, the thing is, there's almost I don't know I don't want to say a fairy tale quality, but like kind of like a where you have a story that feels like that whole middle section of the Fifty Nine Mummy, where Pierre Cushing is telling the story of the mummy, almost has a, a storybook quality to it or something. Um, and there are there's a lot of potential there. This could have been I, I think that this movie is very good. If it it could have been great if maybe I had seen a a little bit more substance with the character. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a little bit, it's a step in the right direction. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So now we do have to talk about 1999, Mummy. I hadn't seen this movie. I rewatched this for the first time in what must have been at least 15 years. I would say it's probably been the same amount of time yeah. for me. Yeah, and the thing is, I... I looked back in my, uh, in my like, you know, I, I, I've kept a lot of ticket stubs over the years, I, and especially I somehow kept all my ticket stubs from 1999 when I went to the movies. I saw this twice in the theater. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on home video a whole bunch of times. Yeah. You know what it is, though? This movie, watching it again, there are things about this movie that are really, really... It's it's pretty dumb. What I said is, I told Corey this. This movie is like if you take Raiders of the Lost Ark and other Indiana Jones movies and movies with like those serial tropes, and deduct ten thousand IQ points from it. <laughs> it's so Raiders. Yeah. This movie, and it's also still being true to the original film. It's still so like a Dracula ripoff. Um. You know what was crazy in this movie? I didn't realize. Sometimes you see an actor uh, in something, and you think to yourself, "Where do I know that guy from? Where do I know Brendan Fraser from? He certainly hasn't been in anything lately." <laughs> yeah, that guy seems yeah. familiar. Hmm. No, I, I man, Brendan Fraser isn't so many things I've seen over the years. No, um, the character who is um. Uh, he's kind of, he's basically the Renfield to Arnold Vosloo Zumotep. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The guy who plays Benny. Benny, Benny, that's his name. So Benny is played by, when we talk about, uh, white actors playing other types, this was played by an actor named Kevin J. O'Connor. 
Okay. And so I and I, when I was watching the Mummy again, I'm like, where do I know this guy from? Uh, this is killing me. And so I finally went on IMDb, and I discovered that this guy, it was in There Will Be Blood. Really? He played um, the the character who uh, says that he's uh, Daniel Plainview's brother. Huh. I'm your brother from another mother. That's the same guy. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I got a little surprise out of you. What well, do you huh? know? And I've seen that movie. Yeah. That's why I mentioned it. Um, This is basically, I mean, this is a slam bang action movie. Yeah. But there's. And half of the dialogue I... is full of movie lines. <laughs> I thought the Book of Amun Ra was made out of gold. Is made out of gold. This isn't the Book of Amun Ra. This is something else. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. The Book of the Dead? Are you sure you want to be playing around with this thing? It's just a book. No harm ever came from reading a book. That happens a lot around here. What's it say? Amunra. Amunde. It speaks of the night and of the day. No! You must not read from the book! <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like... Where characters, especially hold on to your butts, especially Brendan Fraser, oh. they're spouting off so many cliches. I mean, how many times do you think Rick says we're in deep trouble yeah. in this movie? I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, that. I mean, that doesn't happen in the Mummy, but that's an that's an action movie. Really. I mean, this is a movie. Where it's like it's like it's like talk to me, people. This is a movie that I I just had a lot of fun watching it. This might be the most entertaining mummy movie. Doesn't mean it's the best, but I, I had fun watching this again. Yeah, this is a, this film is a lot of fun, and that's not to say it's perfect because there are no. a lot there are a oh, lot of no, no 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 there are a lot of contrivances in this film. There are that really don't make it make sense. Characters me, just let, do dumb thing after dumb thing. And characters appear where they shouldn't, but hey, gotta advance the plot. And there are there are strange things that just the strangest thing, of course, is the beginning because you see a you mean the prologue? You see, yeah, you see a prologue, and uh, that's fine actually. It's but actually it's a pretty fine. efficient, speedy prologue. Yeah, and it's you don't. Be it's better than the prologue than we got in the Tom Cruise moment. Hell yeah! But <laughs> it has one thing that doesn't make sense. Okay, the the ancient egyptians they bury imhotep they curse him and they said and then it's like yes and we buried him forever but if he ever came back he would have all these superpowers <laughs> and we got to make sure that he doesn't come back and i'm like what the what the hell kind of curse is that this is something i thought about even back then that was stupid when you're in high school yes it's like, well, why would you even bother? Why don't you just kill him? Then you don't have to worry uh, about this again. It's like, you know, we can really screw this guy over in death, and he'll come back with superpowers if he ever here, does. Here, here so was... we just have to watch his tomb for a few thousand years to protect us from the thing we did to him. I think you have to rethink that. But in the end, you kind of forget about it, because 
at least it sets up kind of what he can do and it makes him a threat. So you kind of just have to put it out of your mind and say like, all right, I'll forget that. Just let me see the action and the things that happen in this movie. Here's something that I thought watching this time. So there's this whole set piece where uh, the characters are on a boat that's right. supposed to be taking them to... Uh, the characters are going from, I think, Cairo to go into the desert so they can find the whole site where Emotep was and all the other sarcophaguses and everything. Um, I think that... Well, they're also trying to find this particular book, which is what Rachel Weiss is after. Um, and so they're on this boat. There's a fire... Uh, characters have to fall, go, leave up the boat, and you know th these cowboy characters, which is kind of random. They they're, somehow... they're just Americans. Yeah, they're just they're Americans. Americans who are going to the same place that our main characters. They're going are. to the same place, but it almost seemed like, how are you getting there now? It's like the characters just suddenly appear. Like we're we're kind of following Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, and uh, a couple other characters with them, like this group of four going across the desert and it seems like they're going across it in such a way that the idea is supposed to be this place is impossible to get to they're you're going to kind of suffer getting to this place they arrive at the place and all the cowboys are saying like hey guys yeah what <laughs> how'd you get here i mean i guess you kind of just have to know where it is to find it but i mean yes. this didn't seem like an especially arduous journey <laughs> No, it seemed like, why is it suddenly, why is it such a big deal to go to this place? It seems like anybody can get there. To a certain extent, I wish the film was longer, so that you could really? have turned that getting there into, like, a second act thing. Yeah. Where it's like, ah, oh, this is the... I don't think they want to get to the site. I don't think you could have turned this into Lawrence of Arabia. No. But... <laughs> This is the kind of movie If where... you had thought this out a little bit more, you could have turned it into a real action epic. All right, so Brendan Fraser, what's cool about him, he's just... I feel like I'm going to listen to that phrase I just said, like, a week from now, and I'm going to be like, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> I don't feel it right now. I feel But it right I feel now. like it's going to happen in the future. I, I, I'll... I, I'm, don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Just add it to the list of stupid things I've said. <laughs> in the um, future. Yes. Uh, this is the kind of movie where I feel like what 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 makes this movie work, uh, among some other things, so Brendan Fraser looks like he's having a lot of fun in this movie. He does really well in this. Yeah, like this is the kind of movie where, like one of the CGI creatures screams in his face, and then Brendan Fraser just screams right back. Yeah. Ah! I also love I, all these characters again. These are types. But yeah, but they but they fill them well. Like Rachel Vice, she is, is playing a type. Oh. But she's a great thing about this movie. She, Rachel Vice. She's I, one who, I, who, 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 she got practically a career off of this movie. And, and it's sequel, basically. Yeah, and she... And then she so, jumped ship before they could make the ridiculous third one, which was a wise decision. Well, well by that point, she'd won an Oscar. Yeah, that too. Uh, she's just so charming <laughs> and dorky. It's like there's that scene where she gets drunk. Yeah. And, you know, it, it almost, it's a different kind of drunk scene than we get in, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, we have that scene with Marion where she gets drunk, but that was very different. This is a very silly drunk scene. Yeah, I mean, she's she's a, <laughs> she's kind of a damsel occasionally in distress, but she plays this character Evelyn on a wavelength that gives the movie an energy and a delight that helps to balance out a lot of the genuinely dumb stuff in this movie. But I think the dumb stuff is in the background. 
It's, but I think that's what this film does well. The dumb stuff is in the background, like what I said about the curse and like how the Americans get there at the same time that the uh, our main characters get there to the yeah. to the city Hamanoptra. And another, and then yeah, like all the weird plague stuff that sorry. seems to be going on, but doesn't really make much of a difference. Yeah. But then w- w- the characters take the foreground, and the action is good. Yeah, it actually is pretty well choreographed, especially as a. Uh, like, even though I will say the CGI has The CGI aged well. has aged, but for the time, it was perfectly good. I, I mean, at the time, I accepted it because I didn't know any CGI better. is like a hundred years away from where it was in 1999, basically. <laughs> it feels like a century I know. of development. And, that, you know, you're never going to get away from slightly dodgy CGI. Yeah. But I mean there are films that were made back in the 2010s that don't hold up as good as The Mummy does now. Mm. Oh, no, when we talk about the action films I, that I, just have ugly CGI. Yeah. No, no, the CGI here isn't really ugly. It's just kind of schlocky. Oh. Like there uh, there are points where you just see char- like there are a lot of creatures that come off the wall and attack people and some of these creatures it's like I can tell when they're fighting Brendan Fraser. Oh, you're not. They're not there in that same scene. No. Which okay. It again, and I let that go. I think it's because there's some CGI from the period that's aged a little better, like uh, like the Matrix or something. Well, yeah. um, I is this Matrix? Is this like the Matrix? No, the Matrix no. has aged very well in terms of yeah. uh, in terms of CGI, not necessarily in terms of fashion and uh, and. Uh, yeah cell phone <laughs> models yeah but are, now the thing about this movie too we should mention that when i was talking about kevin j o'connor as benny he's a type and he is so a type oh yeah god he, he's Whatever. basically the conniving creep who i think though there one there's one little there's one problem with that with him though near the very end and if you haven't seen the mummy for some reason if you have if you've gone 18 years and you haven't seen the nighttime mummy maybe turn down your mic now or come back a minute from now so benny has has to meet his maker right you know he he dies but the movie has to go the extra step of showing us how that happens like you know because he's trapped in inside the the pyramid as it's uh, collapsing could you could have just left it at that that he dies from that but they had the filmmakers had to go back in to show that he gets sworn by bugs he does some terrible things in that film. He does some terrible things. And there but was no I, way he was getting away from that, especially since we had set up those scarab beetles I think so prominently. What was weird, though, was that he almost could have gotten away, though, because like, the characters are inside the pyramid. He's grabbing some gold and gets outside. But that's the other thing. He's going he's gonna to get caught because he's greedy and he's taken the treasure. That always so happens he, so to So why does he go back into the pyramid, then? To get more treasure. <laughs> There's nothing Benny does to redeem himself. No. And would I say his death by scarab beetle is excessive? Not particularly. <laughs> I don't know. Especially I... since they have his just torch fade out and you hear his screams. It's actually kind of subtle in retrospect. It felt a little like overkill to me. I don't know. Um, I mean, but... Well, no. <sighs> Forget it. <laughs> um, you know, you have, again, other types like... Uh... I forget the actor's name, but the but the character who is warns Brennan Fraser and company, you have to leave. Get out of here now. Ardeth Bay. Yeah, 
he he's the one who he's also very much a type. He kind of looked like George Harrison. Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I kind of like him though. Yeah. It, in a way, the mummy, it doesn't like win all the points for, uh, for racial sensitivity. No. But you gotta admit that the 1999 mummy did a better job putting Egyptians mm-hmm. as characters into the story than 59 and 32 did. Because who is the only prominent Egyptian in 1932's The Mummy? Yeah. Who is it? Well, Imhotep. Right. And he's played by Boris And Carl. he's evil. Every other Egyptian is a man in brown face. Yeah, I mean, that... Well, also, that was a time, too, when part of that movie Cultural came... sensitivity... Well, was not a thing. Well, well, not, well, that, but also, that came out of also a period of time where the whole idea of, we're white people, and we're going to go into uncharted territory and explore these lands and find this or that. And even though it was a horror movie, technically speaking, it also had some of its roots in those, like, in a sense, like almost like Tarzan, I could say. I don't know. Like explorers. It's the sort of pulpy explorer. Pulpy explorer. But, but also it was kind of capitalizing treasure. on the discoveries in ancient Egypt of the 1920s. Yeah, because that was happening too at the time. Which which is primarily British archaeologists going in, taking stuff that doesn't necessarily belong to them, no. but no one is really going to say anything. Well, that's also what made the 1999 Mummy movie have but, some sense because you could also believe that so these characters, like, even these cowboys, which seem a little ridiculous and, and like, I'm not going to say out of place, but they felt a little bit like, okay, here, if there are too many characters in these in this movie, these might be the kind of too many characters. And also, these are the expendable people? Yes! But the other so thing is, 1959, so. our only real prominent Egyptian character, aside from the mummy himself, yeah. is the main villain. No, 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 yeah, the, the 1999 mummy, at least had more it had... characters even though kevin g o'connor is playing an egyptian you can let that go because well he does a really good job first of all is he who who is who did he play benny no he's not an egyptian he's yeah. he's eastern european in that oh he's is like he? from hungary or something oh really Do you want to know how i know that oh because before i saw this movie i actually read the novelization of the book of, of the of the movie <laughs> yeah you mean now? No! When I was in high school, you dimwit. When I was in high school, I read the novelization okay. of, the, of the movie. All right. And so, that was they, before they I... They made a novelization. They still do that. They do it all the time. I, I know they do. This, just... The Mummy was perfect for that. Godzilla, 1998, got its own novelization. I, you know what? Look, I'm... The Patriot got a novelization. <laughs> I'm not gonna... You know what? I'm gonna... Star Wars, episode 7 got a novelization <laughs> star wars had yeah all of this all right i, I will i'm gonna the point is my, i was willing my to, indignation I, I, apologize. I, I was willing to read anything back then that's fine and uh but that's beside the point okay. but so in 1999 you had egyptians who were heroes not as prominent as the main characters but you had Ardith bay who was trying to keep the mummy down at least yes he failed at that but he still fights alongside them and he's trying to help him out. You also have that museum director. He yes. was in Stargate, by the way. 
I've I, seen that actor in a number of things. Yeah. But, is he the one that is working at the library? Yes. Yeah. Evelyn's boss. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he's been And, and he's part of this secret society, too, you find out later. And he tried to burn... That was one of the silly things in this movie. But, I mean, he tried to burn the map, and he tries to help them defeat the mummy, too, and he sacrifices himself. You know, I And is that the best? Yeah. No. But let, it's better. Let me ask you this. Now, this sounds like a weird thing to say, because considering that you know, this isn't a, another take or... Another re, I guess a, you could say a reboot, a, a remake of an older movie that you know had these elements before. Obviously, in the thirty-two Mummy, you had a character reading from a book that suddenly brought a character back to life. But somehow, in this movie, in this nineteen-nine Mummy movie, when the when Rachel Weiss is reading from the book that finally brings back Emotep, that was so Evil Dead. Yeah, <laughs> it it's was a- just. It's called the Book of the Dead. Well, I was sitting on my couch watching this. I was just like, I made like a Klaatu, Kondar, Kondar, Klaatu, Varada. <laughs> okay, yeah, all good. <laughs> but I do really appreciate the fact that this was a remake of an old film. Yeah. But they really went out of their way to do something different with it. I mean, essentially, that different thing was to smash some Indiana Jones onto the mummy. Yeah, it's not. A, it's but not it a horror works. Movie. It's not really a horror movie. It's an adventure action movie. But what's now in retrospect after seeing the Tom Cruise mummy movie, it, that, it's head and shoulders above the Tom Cruise it, it's, mummy it's al- movie. Like what? Ha- it's almost like. Seeing the 1999 Mummy movie is like getting a really kind of fat, greasy, but delicious and interesting t- take on a burger. It's like they mix some mustard in with the ketchup. Where, whereas the the new Mummy with Tom Cruise is like that burger, but kind of left out for several It's kind hours. of dry. It's very dry. And it has no the, onions on it. Yeah, it has no onions. The ingredients feel stale. It's like that movie got things wrong. That 1999 movie just got right. And Steven Summers, it's like I don't even think you know you're, you're necessarily that you're no kind of artist or anything. But you knew how to make a mummy movie. He also went on to do Van Helsing, which I think you have mentioned as. It's been a that, while since I've seen Van Helsing, yeah. but I'd be willing to watch it again yeah. to see if it holds he, up a he, little bit. He knows the kind of movie that he's making. He almost, in a way, with this mummy movie made a slightly better version of the kind of thing that Roland Emmerich used to make or still yeah. makes. Whereas the Alex Kurtzman with his mummy movie, like he couldn't even get actors that had chemistry together. Brendan, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss, do they have some cheesy lines? Absolutely. But the thing is, but they, but you can tell that they, those two connect, those two characters work well together, yeah. even from early on in the first act. They get the types that they are, and they stick to them. And now, granted, they're also they're not saddled with what is trying to be a creation of an entire goddamn universe. It gets to just be a mummy movie, yeah, which is good and, and a really decent one. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up: uh, this talking about film history and film knowledge and stuff like that. One thing that I'm not gonna say it disappoints me, but one thing that I would have been curious about. For years, this the a mummy remake was in the works with George Romero. Huh. 
and this was actually what they call you know development hell yeah and you know the reason why george if you look back at george romero's filmography he only has one movie from the 1990s and that's because he spent a lot of time developing a mummy movie that ended up not getting off the ground um i've read that his take would have actually been more of like a modern day thing Hmm. um actually sounded like more of an interesting version of maybe what they did in the recent tom cruise one um again i that's just one of those things that it probably wouldn't have had egyptian tombs in iraq no no it would not it also and that's worth thinking about yeah i mean i I, it, it sometimes makes me curious when these directors spend a lot of time trying to make a project that doesn't end up panning out uh i mean ridley scott had that with uh, i am legend um it's just a thing that happens in hollywood it's sometimes nobody's fault except maybe studio executives but um again but you can kind of see that yeah they didn't go george romero's version they went with a high octane action-packed summer blockbuster which is fine you know for 1999 this was what people wanted to see and hell i i still am happy with it it's let a me, good mix of humor and action. Let me ask you: Have has? I don't think I've seen the sequel though since I saw it in the theater. I remember the sequel only because I was hyped up for it as a wrestling fan, because that's where they because. brought in the Rock. Yes, the as Rock the Scorpion King as the Scorpion King. Well, I remember who most worked from, for two days probably and got his paycheck and went home. He basically did in his role what he did as his character the rock on tv dwayne johnson like he used to have a thing where he would have a very distinctive breathing in and it's like when you watch the scorpion king or this it's like oh all right you're the rock yeah and at the time i was just geeking out because like the rock's in the movie um but uh i'm sure looking back if i were to watch it now i think the other thing i remember is that the climax of the mummy returns the rock is like a cgi giant creature scorpion man yes yeah, scorpion man that they tried a to scorpio tour re- and they even gave him a cgi version of the people's eyebrow yeah which was what the rock used to do he had the people's eyebrow and the people's elbow <laughs> yes all right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, if, if you have any thoughts about, wait, um, oh, final thoughts. A few, a few things. I believe it or not, I have seen the Mummy Returns and the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Empire. We saw Tomb Emperor, of the Dra- we saw Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in the theater together. And I saw the Scorpion King in the theater. Me too. And <laughs> I don't remember much of the Scorpion King. I the thought Scorpion was, King. Eh. I, I remember the Scorpion King quite vividly because my mom was with me. Really? Yeah. And I begin to th- and I think about it back then, to, uh, kind of awkwardly and kind of fondly, okay. because I realized, yeah, this is probably not the movie I should have gone to see with my mom. But my mom was game and she humored me, and I think, well, she's she's a good mom, so that's good. Uh, it's kind of a fond, awkward memory. You know, but the other thing is, I saw The Mummy Returns in the movie theater with my best friend, and uh, he I had show, introduced him to The Mummy, and he thought it was really cool because he was a fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and um, we and eventually, you and I saw Mummy Three, which is not a good movie. The Mummy films got progressively sillier as they went on, and Rachel Weiss jumps ship just in time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, she started to get better roles. Right. Uh, and my friend, who I saw The Mummy Returns with, he has very questionable taste in films. And <laughs> I, I wondered what he would think. And when I eventually saw him again when I was in college, he said, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> he said, And he said... They should have called it the Chinese Mummy. It would have been better. <laughs> oh, you mean the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe that was their early attempt at trying to hit the Chinese market, maybe. Or they ran out of ideas. Yeah. And we ha and they happened to have Jet Li on yeah, on on loan. Was in that. Jet I... Li has been in some crap. Oh, Don't get me yeah. wrong. My introduction to Jet Li was in Lethal Weapon Four. There you go. See? <laughs> Um, this one, yeah, I would yeah, not. Say, I would I not think say. That's... I would say that if you haven't seen any of the Brendan Fraser era mummy movies, um, <laughs> which is likely that you you haven't. Yeah, I would say that if you were if, dissatisfied if, with the current mummy film, yeah, or go or, back and see that. Yeah, or if you just had no desire to see that and were like, eh, maybe I'm in the mood for a mummy movie, but I don't know if I like those old parts Karloff and Christopher Lee which what also the, screw you what? there might be some people out there who'd be like it's too slow you're basically just like if you're a terrible person yeah. who doesn't like these awesome actors if, yeah go see Brendan Fraser if, if you're if you're the kind of if you're the kind of person that doesn't watch movies that come out before 1975 um, the 1999 mummy movie is a it's fun. perfectly fine dumb summer blockbuster type movie that again it takes Still liberally from raiders and even the the whole in the climax when they're getting out of the pyramid that's right out of temple of doom yeah and it's it's kind of shameless it's right out of yet, raiders too and yet i feel like that steven summers had some skill with it and he also there was a certain honesty in his thievery if that makes sense he stole from the best sources. Yes. And he stole the right things. Yes. He didn't try to steal haphazardly and idiotically like Alex Kurtzman did. He didn't go cut and paste. Yeah. He, said, he distilled it a bit and said, okay, I can go towards what these guys did. I can't do it as well, but I can, I can, I can stab at it even, and it'll even, work most even of the Even down, time. even down to also, I didn't even, we didn't even mention uh, the, the, the brother Oh, yeah. Who's a little bit annoying. But the thing is, he has a function in the plot. He does. He's justified, and he provides... He has... You understand his relationship with everybody. He, You understand his relationship with Evie, his sister. You understand his relationship to Rick. Yeah. And he acts differently to both of them. And they, they form this really good triangle. Yeah. They're a good trio. And even though he he's not... The greatest character, he's in there for a reason. Yes. And I I, I kind of wanted to mention him before. I forget what the actor's name is. He, he's not someone who really... I, I would if, recognize... I think he was in the that Spartacus series for a while. Oh, what, what was that like called? Blood and Sand or well, something? Well, I didn't watch like it, so... <laughs> oh, um, his name was John uh, Hanna. That's the actor's name. Yeah. But he... Uh, I guess all I have to say is just I really liked him. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, one last thing. Here's a cat. 
<laughs> All right. So if you've seen any of the Mummy movies that we've talked about, you can send us an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Better yet, if there's a Mummy movie we haven't talked about that you think is really good, one of the Universal or Hammer sequels, uh, let us know about it. Because yeah. we'd love to check... I would, I personally would love to branch out into those lesser-known Mummy films. I'll, 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 I'll go a step further. I think if we get a recommendation for a Mummy movie, I will watch it too. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, that would be a good way to branch out and bring more of this mummy money into our mummy podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe someday we'll just do a podcast that's nothing about mummy movies. (laughs) That's a great and terrible idea. There there are podcasts themed in so many different ways. Uh, Well, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, And... You know, make sure to comment, subscribe, like our posts. Uh, we always like to post uh, fun little things. Uh, I'll try to maybe see if I can find maybe a goodie regarding uh, the mummy and post that online. Um, and uh, so, with, on behalf of the Wages of Cinema, I'm Jack. And I'm Andrew. And let me tell you that the Wages of Cinema is death, and death is only the beginning. <laughs> Have a good night. Thank you.